Hi, my name is Eliane Goldstein, and you're listening to The Effect on Us. What bothers me most and what keeps me up at night now is the rise of anti-Semitism again. There was about 120,000 Jewish people shoved into the ghetto, which was about one and a half square kilometers. If my mother's family hadn't been saved by Stanislav Broholsky, who put his life and his wife's life and his children's life at risk in order to save them, I would not be sitting here and talking to you right now. The Effect on Us podcast. Here's Eliane Goldstein. The Effect on Us is a podcast for people of all ages to learn about controversial subjects and the ties it has to people nowadays. In this season, the focus of the series is the Holocaust. You'll be able to hear some of the best survival stories I've ever heard from people that went through the Second World War and learn more about the effect the Holocaust had on people from Generation 1 to Generation 3. Did you know that the Nazis constructed over 44,000 incarceration sites, which included detention camps, forced labor camps, and killing centers? In this episode, I'm talking to Henry, who talks to me about his survival story and what he did in Auschwitz. What is your name? My name, my family name is Rutner, R-U-T-T-N-E-R, Henry Rutner. My family name is always the same. Here in Canada, my Henry. My Jewish full name is Chaim Rutner, and I was born in a country called Czechoslovakia. And the the city that I was born was called Tej. And I was uh, the youngest of seven children, five boys and two girls. We lived there in uh, in uh, it's, it's near the Carpathian Mountains. There, you don't know that area there big mountains and my father had a big area there that he bought where every springtime summertime they grew their apples and pears right that was the business then he had a flour mill you know where they bring in corn and they grind them up and they make breads out of it Uh, i had two brothers that left before uh, and they went in to uh, to Palestine, which became Israel, right? But that time it was a British colony. And so when the war started, they fought with the British army. Us, in 1942, they took us out from the houses and they put, brought us to freight trains and they shipped us to Auschwitz, to the concentration camps. What year were you born? So how old were you then? I was... I was born on the 5th of May, 1929. How old were you when you went to Auschwitz? I was 14. Was religion important in your house? We were, we were Jewish people. We were not, uh, uh, what do you mean, those fanatics with the longer pace. We just regular Jewish people. We had a nice synagogue. Seder. And uh, You're talking about Seder? What? You went to Seder? You know, I, I I went to elementary school, regular elementary school, okay, and, and then we came home, we had dinner, and I, I later went to a, a cheder, a Jewish school, where a rabbi, a teacher, was teaching us everything about Judaism. Was there anti-Semitic behavior when you were growing up? Yes, yes, yes. There was big anti-Semitism, especially... Uh, there, there, were, there was a church there, 
it was actual creatures, but near us was a church with Hungarian-speaking people. I saw the Jewish boys, after they didn't have what to do, walking out, and they would attack them with uh, stick, wooden sticks and just beat them up. That's people terrible. Were, yeah, yes, terrible, terrible. Okay? I, I, went, I went a few times to the Sunday to the church. I just sat there. The priest knew I'm Jewish. And after everybody left, he says, my child, be very careful to whom you talk. Plain and simple. That was a Catholic church. So I learned, I learned about anti-Semitism very early in my life. But then in 1942, they came with machine guns and they put us on freight trains and they shipped us to Auschwitz. Did you go straight there or did you live in a ghetto for a while or go to a camp before that? There was a ghetto. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they took us out from the houses and they put us into a ghetto. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were there about a month and one day... You know, my father was a very handsome man, a tall man. They took him out from there and they brought him back because they beat him on the soles to, to, to find out where he hit his uh, fortunes, you know, so to speak. So did they find them? We don't know. We, I don't know if they, uh, if they found or don't find, don't, didn't find. But uh, it, was, it was a horrifying thing. And from there, they shipped us to Auschwitz. And uh, there, there <clears throat> they separated those who can't work. And you know what they did with the others, right? The gas chambers. No. Yeah. This is when my father said, when they asked him, it, and my father said, this is my son. He's a strong boy. And he can't work. And then they separated us. So you went to go work in the camp? Yes. I worked there uh, about two years. And then we saw planes flying, you know, we didn't know what it was. It was winter time. Took us out from the camp, gave us one bread, walked us one, I, I don't remember, like two days or something, day and night, into another camp that was surrounded by stone walls. But I couldn't see it from the street because it was trees. And, and that camp was surrounded with stone walls, which had already holes. And when we came in there, the first thing we saw, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of frozen dead bodies. What was that like for you? It was horrifying, but we were, we were, we were already traumatized. So for us, it wasn't that difficult to see, but it was very difficult. And we stayed there about a week, the two other, we were, there were 12 of us from my hometown. One of them is my cousin, Shmilku. The rest from my hometown. They said, we're going to wake you up in the morning, and we escaped. And the whole story, I'm not going to go through how we escaped and, uh, and where we came out, uh, for example. From there, we saw a railway station, and uh, we thought we might find some food, but it was only a, like a metal structure going up. And apparently, this is one that automatically changes the rocks, you know. And as we are up there, we see suddenly about six, seven SS with machine guns coming towards us. 
And we just kept quiet. And they came on one or two steps. Then we hear them saying that there's nobody there. Then they go back. We wait about 10 minutes and then out we went. What did you do when you escaped? Okay, so the 12 of us from my hometown, we were about there, uh, 50 or 60 people from other places. We walked out from there and uh, we came to, uh, uh, it's getting a little dark. We came, the lights were on, there was like a village. And we came to this village looking for food. Those were Christians. The right way took us in there. They, They gave us other clothing because we had those striped things. And they gave us food. They told us which way to go. And from there, we walked to a big city called Katowice, you know. Mm-hmm. A big city that already had big apartment buildings and everything. And we see a, a schoolhouse, and there was nobody there, but we saw stairs going up on the second floor, and there we found food. And we start to eat and eat, and, you know, you get sick and eat too much. And between us was a, a man with a Russian winter coat, you know, the long winter coat. And suddenly about three or four soldiers came up. They told them to take off this winter coat, and it was an SS underneath of uniform. Tiny. So they took him down, and we only hit shots. We, they killed him. Where did you go after this? From there, in, the, in that big city, they told us there's a train, a freight train, going all the way to our hometown. Uh, you know, that time the trains were fueled by coal. Yes. So there the coal is, we were sitting on the coal, which was good because it kept us warm, and they brought us home. You went to your house after that? Um, we, went, we went back. There we found our two brothers who left for Palestine, and they were there, and we dare help, you know. The displaced persons camp. What? You talk about the, the homeless persons camp. Yeah. The, uh... Yeah, we, we, had, we had like a whole homeless persons camp they set up, you see. And, oh, yeah, uh, where we lived, there was a river, and there was a train going on the, uh, on the other side was Romania you know, the capital city of Bucharest. They had a Jewish agency looking after survivors. What was it called? Huh? The name of it. Huh? What was the name of the, the agency? Um, Bucharest. James. The James. capital city was Bucharest. What year was this? In 1945. See, this is this is what I got from there. Yeah, it's an ID card. An ID card that I got there. And from there, I found out that uh, my two brothers and uh, and my sisters, two sisters, and, and Rumi, yeah, yeah, and 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 my sisters were survived. Yeah, all of your siblings survived. No, no, not all of them. No, my oldest brother was murdered. Oishi in the in the in the, huh? in the he was like a slave laborer, right? And the, yeah, they took they took those as slave laborers. They took them to work. What about your parents? My fa- mother died home because she wasn't doing well. My father was murdered at Auschwitz. So you found your siblings? I, those who survived, I found, yes. So for how long did you stay in Romania? In Romania, we, we just came to, in, uh, to get information who survived. 
When you were working in the camp, what did you do for work? Oh, they made us work in a, in a, in a, where they were work, making bullets and weapons. But uh, those uh, SS were horrifying people, you know. And uh, if you don't didn't do uh, something right, they hit you. The manager from the factory helped me an awful lot. He told me, you should do nothing, not only me, a couple of us, because we were young. You just sit down and do nothing. That helped us an awful lot. He gave us food and everything, yeah. You had a number, right? Yes, I have a number. I showed you, no? A A is Auschwitz. It's a 9,443rd Auschwitz. My my group. I know you said you escaped. What year was that? I think it was 1945. How long were you in the camps? In the camp, two years. Two years. So what happened after the war, after you met with your siblings? Okay, you, you heard of Eisenhower? No. Well, Eisenhower was in that time the head of the British Army. He created in Germany a place that called for homeless people. And we all ended up there. There we had food, there we had where to, where to sleep. And of course, Eisenhower became then later on the president of the United States. And uh, from there, one day they came. And they said, pack up, and with a merchant ship, you know, like a, a, not a passenger ship, a merchant ship where they carry merchandise. So they, yes. all of us were sleeping in the bottom. The crew was on top, and they brought us uh, to Israel. There's a port city called Haifa. This is where four military ships, British ships, caught us. The people who managed the ship broke the engines and they took us on the tow and they shipped us to an island called Cyprus. Cyprus is an island where there are Greek and Turkish people living. So, but there we had already where to sleep and, and what to eat. And when Israel became a nation, they let us in and boom, we brought us into Israel, which is the first time I was there. And they brought us to a kibbutz. But there were no chickens there, nothing. What we did, we built from bullets to half a ton bombs. That's what we did there. And later on, after that, uh, I went into, uh, first I lived in Tel Aviv, the capital city. And when you are 18, boys and girls have to go to the army. Here, i show you a picture of me when I was in the army. Yeah, okay. it's a very nice picture. Yeah, that's me. And this was in, in Tel Aviv in 1950. And this, this, is, <laughs> this is when my hair grew back. <laughs> oh, this is still the hat from Auschwitz, yeah. In the ID picture. Yeah, yeah. And we had a very good life in Israel. I met a lot of young people, became good friends. And I lived there for about seven years. That's when my sister sponsored me to come to Canada. And I came to Canada. It was a new country. I, I didn't speak English yet. So I had to go to school to learn the language. And I started to work everything what I could. Being a mechanic in mechanical division in Israel, I was able to get a job in a garage. Later on, I, I, I got a job at uh, where they built airplanes, uh, 
Canadair or Bombardier. I worked there for about seven years and the contract finished. And they would call me back and I met a friend of mine and he said he's going to Ontario to pick tobacco leaves. Now, I never smoked in my life, but that's a job. And uh, we worked there, I think, for one season, which was about six weeks. Summer, yeah, the summer. Yeah, but there were farmers there from uh, Canada, from uh, Holland, and from Hungary. I speak the language. I got with the Hungarian uh, family. And uh, first, the first thing they asked me, oh, are you from Hungary? So I said, no, but I'm a hungry boy. I need money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. They were very nice people, though. And they gave us, they had a barn. They had three cows in there. They made a room for themselves in the barn, and they gave us their house to sleep in. <laughs> so every morning we had excellent food. And uh, so we worked there for about seven weeks, I believe, and so forth. And so then we came back. and. Uh, and then I, I got other jobs and so forth and so forth. This year in school, um, we had to write letters to people to have a pen pal service. And I wrote a letter and apparently my letter ended up with you. So Yeah, that's um, true. We read it, we read the letter to him. And I didn't get to meet you, but now I get to meet you, which I think is very <laughs> cool. Yeah, it would be nice to meet you in person, of course. <laughs> I know with this pandemic now that people are afraid to go out and you have to wear the mask and things like that. But I have been speaking up about uh, fascism in many community centers since then, and wherever uh, they ask me to speak. So is there anything important that you think you have to add? The only important thing is, when I say to people, be aware that there are still a lot of bad people in the world. And be careful to whom you speak. That's very smart. Yeah. He's a very smart man. Yes. Well, thank you very much for talking with me. It's my pleasure. And I hope that uh, maybe uh, one of those days we'll be able to see you in person. Isn't it such a coincidence that my letter from school that was set to go to an unknown person ended up with him and we only found out about it months later? Join me next time when I talk to Ilona Tot who doesn't speak much, but you can tell that she remembers every bit of what happened. If you liked this episode, please like and subscribe and tell your friends. This is Eliane Goldstein. Tune the next time to The Effect on Us. And remember, history will not repeat itself. Bye!